Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, we are poor, so I will accept whatever donation. I do take tips as well. A lot of uh, ministers don't like to say that, but I like to tell you, like, I, I take tips. Um, but yeah, it's great to be here. Like Bobby said, um, I was here when we were still meeting in Starbucks, and that was like where the church was, because that's where Bobby and Mac and I met, and we had like a list of 500 things to to figure out and understand um, in planting a church. And so it's great to be back here. It's great to see new faces. Um, I Like Bobby said, I don't know most of you. And for me, that's awesome um, because that means movement has been growing and sending out disciples. Um, and that's, that's awesome. That's what the church should be. Um, today, I want to go through uh, John chapter 3. Um, you probably know John chapter 3, probably for the most famous verse in the Bible, right? John 3.16. We all know what that says, um, and we'll say it later. But I think what a lot of us miss in this passage is this idea that Jesus comes to this guy named Nicodemus, and he talks about being born again, right? And for a lot of you, this is probably, hopefully, an encouraging message for those of you who are considering baptism or even if you have been baptized already, or if you've never even thought about baptism, I think it's a good message that Jesus gives to Nicodemus about the idea of being born again. Uh, So we're going to read straight through it. Uh, So if you've ever felt bad that you didn't read enough of your Bible this week, you'll go ahead and read a whole chapter. So congratulations, guys. It's great. Um, So let's start in verse 1. So it says this, now there was a Pharisee, named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now I love Jesus, but Jesus is very cryptic a lot of times, right? Like, he can be very confusing. Now, if I were Nicodemus and I came and said, Jesus, you, like, you're doing some crazy signs. And he says, yeah, you know, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you got to be born again. And I'd be like, that's not what I was asking, but okay, thanks. Um, Thanks anyway. And so he continues, Nicodemus is rightfully confused. He says, how can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered him, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. He says, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify I'm sorry, I skipped. He says, do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Very truly, Jesus said, If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. 
And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And if we could read John 3.16 together as a congregation, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen and their deeds have been done in God. So Jesus first off is, is talking about this idea of being born again. What does it mean to be born again and what does it also mean to have eternal life? See, Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He says that the light has come into the world, but you and I, we as human beings, sinful, have loved darkness or what is evil. And I would say we have loved sin more than Jesus. And if you are a human being, you probably know that to be true. How often, you know, someone says, well, hey, do you want to come to church? And you say, no, I'd rather stay home and sleep. Or, or, Better yet, how many of you have said, nah, I'd rather watch TV than pray? Now, that's not really sin, but that is showing where our hearts actually lie, and our hearts love darkness, and our hearts love things that aren't of God, honestly. Our hearts love things that human trafficking exists kind of proves that. And the fact that children are being trafficked proves that this world, the world that we live in, loves evil and loves darkness. I mean, you can even look in North Carolina, you can look wherever you want, and there are some evil things going on, and, and the reality that, that we as human beings love darkness, and even we as Christians play into that. So Jesus sees the heart of the matter, not necessarily that, you know, you aren't enjoying enough self-care, right? Like, the problem isn't that you aren't getting enough vacation time. The problem isn't that your workload is too much. The problem isn't that your kids are misbehaving. The problem isn't that your husband or your wife aren't getting along. That's not your problem. Your problem is this, that, that you love darkness more than light. You yourself love darkness more than light. And so the solution then is this, that you need to be born again. Nicodemus comes to Jesus thinking that, Jesus, you are doing some crazy things. This is right before, uh, right after Jesus goes into the temple, and this is my favorite story where Jesus fashions a, a whip and starts whipping people out of there. I wish Jesus could do that as like a workshop. Like, why doesn't he teach people how to make whips and do that? But he, he goes into the temple and says that this temple will be destroyed and I'll raise it up. And he's talking about his body. And so he's causing a stir in Jerusalem. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And notice G Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. 
Nicodemus is still unsure, like a lot of us are, are unsure about what to do with this Jesus guy. Because Jesus, while he's doing cool signs, like, look, he's going to weddings and he's turning water into wine. Let's go, Jesus. Like, he is going around and doing some amazing things, and yet we still don't know what to do with him. And so Nicodemus is coming to him and he, he's looking at Jesus saying, Jesus, I, I mean, I've lived my whole life as a Pharisee, right? I've lived my whole life as someone who has followed the rules, has done everything not to be condemned, and yet you come here and are saying all these things and doing all these things. Jesus, what do I do with this? And then Jesus says, well, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now he's saying this to a Pharisee, right? The, the religious leader of the day, he's saying this, that you need to be born again. So, so even Nicodemus, right? The, the most righteous person in the time, you need to be born again. That's good news for you and I because, I mean, we're not Pharisees. We haven't kept every letter of the law. I break the Ten Commandments almost every day. And yet even Nicodemus needs to be born again. And we all need to be born again no matter how righteous you think you are, what we do with this, even in your worst moments, you still need to be born again, right? And so Nicodemus doesn't know what to do with this. He, I mean, rightfully, again, he's confused, right? Jesus is saying, you need to be born again. And he's like, well, my mom is dead, so I don't know how that's going to work. Like, I'm an old man. How, how can that work? And yet Jesus, again, goes to the heart of the issue. It's not that you physically need to be born again. It's, it's that you love evil, right? Like even on your best day, we are still the worst people we could be. What you need is not to be a new person. You don't need to go and get a, a massage and do a lot of self-care or go on that vacation that you've always wanted to, though I do recommend it. That's ultimately not what you need. What you need is to be born again by the Spirit. This is what the Old Testament points to. This is what the prophets are pointing to. Is like, look, Israel, right? God's chosen people messed it up a lot, like so much. They messed it up, and the issue wasn't that, that they were not perfect. The issue was that, again, they loved evil. They immediately went to idolatry because their hearts were inclined to it. And so what does God say to the Old Testament prophets? He say, tell my people that they need a new heart, right? This is where you get the passage in Ezekiel, where, where you see the valley of dry bones. This is where Joel talks about God's gonna pour his spirit out on his people. This new spirit, this, this new way of living life. And Jesus says, that this spirit leads to eternal life, right? And so today, this is, this is what I want to talk about. This, this life that we're called to live, and, and Bobby told me like uh, this past series has been about spiritual disciplines, and that is the start of the new life, right? Like when you are teaching your kids what it is to be a human being, right? You first hopefully teach them how to go to the bathroom, potty train them, right? 
And though it's rough at first, like there's some poop on the walls, there's some pee around there, but eventually they get it, right? Maybe when they're like five or 10 or something. They eventually get it, but that's because they do it all the time, right? They get disciplined in doing it. Or maybe brushing your teeth, right? Like how many of you wake up and go like, man, I'm so excited to brush my teeth today. Yes, I get to do it. I'm not usually like that. I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I do it because I know I have to. And it's part of being an adult, right? Like paying bills. It's part of being an adult. And the only reason I do it now is because I've been trained to do it. Not because I want to do it, because I've been trained to do it. And my mom has taught me how to do it. And it's the same thing, right? We read scripture because we have been trained to, to love the word of God, We pray because we've trained to love the presence of God. We fast because we've been trained to trust in God and who he is. And this is all part of what Jesus calls eternal life. And so there are three points that I want you guys to to get from today's message. And um, Bobby told me I had 30 minutes to talk. I probably won't use all that. But there are three points, and and then we're done. The first is this. God's desire for you is eternal life, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. If you ever wonder in the tough days, in the days where you feel like God has abandoned you, if you ever wonder what God's heart for you is, his heart for you is this eternal life, this born again, not to be in this place of loving sin and loving evil, but loving the things of God. And again, that takes a long time. Because we are inclined towards sin. We are inclined towards wickedness. And yet Jesus calls us to this new life. And here's what happens a lot of times is that we get baptized and then we think that what Jesus is actually saying is that, okay, I've been baptized. So now I can kind of live the same way that I lived and also have Jesus. Like I can still be an angry person and have Jesus on the side, go to small groups, and that's good, or I can still watch pornography and, you know, read the Bible on the side, and that's good, or, or I can be, you know, a joyful person, right, but I can still be impatient with the people who cut me off on 64. Um, I'm from Virginia. We're very impatient drivers, and so, yeah, I need the Holy Spirit. Um, And yet this challenge is, for a lot of people, is that what Jesus talks about when he's talking about being born again, he is literally saying that, look, you, you're broken, and you're hurting, and you're wounded. You have trauma that you haven't even unpacked yet. There's so much going on in your life. You don't just need a new way of thinking. You don't just need a positive attitude to get through the day. Again, you don't need a vacation. You need a new life, right? It's not just enough that that you get Jesus on the side. Jesus doesn't want to be, you know, on the side. Jesus wants to be your whole life. This is what Paul talks about when he says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation, right? 
Paul says that the old has passed away. And that's the image we get in baptism is that you are buried in the waters of baptism and raised to a new life. Now, again, that doesn't mean you're going to get out of the water and be perfect, but that does mean that, look, you got to make some decisions about what your life was like and what it is now. Because what happens too often in the church is that we get complacent with where we are and think that we can just have Jesus as a nice motto, as a nice teacher. Again, what Nicodemus calls, he says, Rabbi, like no one can do the things you've done, but I still don't know who you really are. I don't know that you're actually the Messiah, the Lord of my life. And it takes a while for Nicodemus to get there, but when we are baptized, that's what we're saying. We're saying, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. When you're born again, you're born again into this new life where Jesus has this first and final say. Not you, not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your job, Jesus. So Jesus tells Nicodemus, you need to be born again because that is what Jesus' heart is for each one of us. He sees us in our hurt and our pain. He says, you need a new life. And, And his heart breaks for those people who still are trying to live the old life, this life where they feel like, man, the thing that's going to get me going is partying. Look, working on college campus, you see a lot of that. You see a lot of people who think that what is going to satisfy them is a lot of sex, a lot of drugs, being the best at school, being the best at sports. And yet they find at the end of that... They're still empty. They're still just as exhausted. They're still just as tired. They're still just as angry and broken as the rest of us. But when we live and understand that God's heart for each one of us and for each one of the people outside of this building is eternal life, that changes the world. Because, right, like, if if we really believe that... Man, the people you meet at Subway or wherever you go after for lunch, maybe Zaxby's, not Chick-fil-A, though. We can't go there. Wherever you go after lunch and the people that you meet there, then you know that when you look at them and they're being a jerk, you know that God's heart for them is still eternal life, is still for them to be born again. So that's the first, is God's desire for you is eternal life. The second point is that you can't find that life on your own, right? Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he's asking these questions, right, that we would ask. And, and Jesus, his answer is, is that, look, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't, you don't get it? Like, how do you not get this? Like, weren't you the one who studied the Scripture I'm sure Nicodemus is kind of like, look, I, like, I've followed all the rules. Like, I've done everything right. Like, I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't stolen. I haven't cheated on my wife. I, I don't know, like why, like, why is this different? Why are you different? And I think that's because even we as Christians today try to find this idea of eternal life 
through rule following, through trying to check marks off the box, going to church, reading the Bible, praying, doing all the right things, but still living a life that is probably just, looks just the same as people outside the church. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't require you to change, and that's where we find ourselves a lot of times. It doesn't require anything from me. Um, for instance, like, growing up, you know, I'm a kid, like, I liked, you know, bad TV shows, Game of Thrones. No, if you watch Game of Thrones, look, you're fine. But for me, I was like, what, like, what's the tension there? Like, where is, where is the space where, like, God, I want to do this thing over here that's probably harmful to me, but I also want to follow you? Well, I think I can find life over here. And if you break a lot of things down, ultimately that's what a lot of us do, right? So when you have a friend who is like, yeah, I worked over 40 hours this week, most likely what it is is, well, I could follow Jesus, right? I could find life here, or I could try and find it on my own, right? I could work a lot. Like I mentioned, we're poor, a lot of money, But I wouldn't find life there. And you can put whatever you want. Like, you have people who work out and try and find life in their appearance or their their health, right? And so they don't go to Jesus because they think this is going to save them. Or, Or for whatever it is, you find life here, and yet Jesus is over here and says, no, you can't find life on your own. Like, come here right? We look a lot like ancient Israel where Moses is up on this mountain, right? And he's getting life from God, right? He's getting the 10 commandments. He's getting the law. And the Israelites are like, no, I don't think we can find it up in there. Like all that's cool. Like there's lightning and everything. There's thunder. And you know, there's a lot of like shiny stuff over there. I think we'll find life if we melt all our gold and put it and make it into a cow. That's probably where life is, right? And as much as we, you know, look at that and go like, man, I can't believe Israel would do that. Um, We do that all the time. We try to find life in anything other than Jesus, again, because it goes back to the heart of where we're at. We love sin. We love trying to find life outside of Jesus because we want control. And yet Jesus is saying to us, you can't find life in the way that you think you can. He looks at Nicodemus and says, look, you can't find life in keeping the rules. You can't find life in in following all the Torah and, and reading all the prophets. And Jesus even goes so far as to say, like, how can you be a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand that life is not found in keeping the law? It's found in me. It's found in Jesus. You can't find life on your own. Again, it's not like, you know, my wife and I are very big on rest, right? We're big on keeping the Sabbath and and resting and things like that. We're big on, like, setting boundaries. We're big on things like that. 
And we're big on like reading scripture, like I love praying, I love all of that. But at some point when I see those as like, that's it, like I'm following Jesus so that I can be a great speaker or I can have the best prayer life ever, then I'm missing the point. Like none of the spiritual disciplines, church, community, communion, it's not the thing that's going to get us life. It's the thing that puts us in a position to receive life, right? So when you pray, you don't pray because prayer is the thing. You pray because it puts you in a position to receive more of God. But often as churchgoers, we find ourselves in this place where, man, I didn't pray today and I, I feel like God doesn't love me because I didn't pray. Um, Gabby knows, like, I feel that way a lot. Because I feel like if I don't read enough, man, if I don't spend enough time in the Bible, God's just, he's not going to be proud of me. He's not going to be happy of me, with me. And, and I talk to a lot of students who, who feel that same way. I talk to a lot of people who honestly are just trying to like figure life out. And then on top of that, they're going like, and I don't read my Bible enough. And I go like, who told you how much Bible is enough? Like you could read the whole Bible in a day and it still wouldn't be enough because it's not about that. What it is about is, is you finding life in Christ, right? Now, I'm not saying like, don't pray, pray. And I'm not saying don't read your Bible, read your Bibles, because again, that's where you are put in a position to find life. But remember, you can't find it on your own. But again, that goes back to the first point. You can't find it on your own, but guess what? God's heart for you is that you would find eternal life. So, so even though you can't like do enough or you can't be enough, God has already said, look, I've got you covered. I, you know what? I'll do this. For, I'm, I love the world so much, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to send my one and only son, okay? If you believe in him, you've got eternal life. You won't be condemned. And so why do we think that, that we need to continue trying to find life in other things when, when God is, is proud and happy when we believe in Christ, when we take those next steps of faith and continually put our trust in Jesus? That's what he wants to see. And reading your Bible and praying help that but that's what he wants to see. He wants to see you continually put your trust in Jesus, which leads to the next point, is that this requires a response. How do you respond? Right, Nicodemus sees Jesus doing all this stuff, and he comes to him. Granted, he comes to him at night, so he's, he's scared, he's nervous, because the Pharisees are looking at Jesus, right? He just said, you see that giant temple that you all built? I'm going to destroy that, and then I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And so all the Pharisees are kind of on, like, high alert of, like, we should watch out for that guy, because um, he's going to mess some stuff up. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, 
And like I mentioned earlier, it probably took a while for Nicodemus to fully understand. Like at the end of the Gospels, we see that Nicodemus is with um, the women and Joseph of Arimathea, like anointing Jesus's body, putting it in a tomb. So eventually he gets to this point where I, I believe, right? But I think Jesus, when he leaves this interaction, you know, I think it's very funny. Like, I love Jesus again. He's confusing, but he's also very funny. And like the gospel writers are very funny in that like Jesus says like, hey, this is the problem. I came into the world and the world loved darkness more than light. And then the gospel of John goes like, and then the next day Jesus was at this town. And it's like, but what about Nicodemus? Like, what did he, what did he do? It doesn't say what Nicodemus did, but I assume because whenever we have an interaction with Jesus, there, there requires a response. There isn't space for us to just go, okay, that's cool. I'm going to go and just kind of do something. Granted, that can be a response. Apathy is a response, but it requires for us more than that, right? Now, again, for those of you who have been baptized, for those of you who have taken steps of faith, like maybe your response is to continually serve more, like erase the red. Maybe that's the response. Or maybe it's the response of like, Jesus, I have been trying to find life in this thing and I need to, to say no more. Or, or simply just, Jesus, you are calling me to get baptized. Like I feel this pull but I, I'm just scared of taking that next step because of what it will mean for my life. And maybe that's the response, but, but here's the thing. We never leave Jesus really without responding. No one leaves Jesus without responding. You can either ask him what he's desiring of you, or we can simply just go like, yeah, not for me. I, I, Jesus, you're asking a lot, so maybe come back in like five years and I'll probably be okay. We remember the stories of, of the man who's like, Jesus, let me be your disciple. And he goes like, okay, come follow me. And then he's like, well, I need to actually go, let me wait till my dad dies and, and then I'll come follow you, right? And I think that's where a lot of us are of like, Jesus is calling us to a next step, and, and we know what it is, but a lot of times we just, we don't know what it will actually cost. And maybe, maybe it's something as simple as, as, as giving more. You know, I, I know Bobby and, and the, church, or the team at Movement isn't about your money, but, but maybe that is something that, that you need to consider. Maybe it is about, like, serving more or, or increasing your tithe or, or actually even, you know, I tell students all this time, maybe God is simply calling you to, like, go on a trip or something like that. Go on a fall retreat with us. Maybe there's something you can do or, or see that, that God is calling you to do, but, but the question is, how are you going to respond? Like, don't leave here today without, without responding to, to what Jesus is calling. Don't, don't leave here today without responding to the word of God. Like, too many times, and, and, and this is kind of where I'll end, is that too many times we miss God's heart for us because 
we're apathetic. We, we simply don't care enough about what Jesus is actually calling us to do. We're fine. We're comfortable. We've got, you know, we've got the white picket fence. We've got the, uh, what are they, like 2.5 kids. I guess it's like 2.7 kids now. I don't know how that works. But we're comfortable. And so we don't really want to respond to anything, right? Like, I enjoy sitting on my couch, and I enjoy watching, I don't know, Jimmy Fallon. Not Game of Thrones, though. Not Game of Thrones. I enjoy my comfortable life. I enjoy my heated apartment, my, <laughs> my blenders, my coffee makers, my Keurig. Love my Keurig. I enjoy my comfortable life. And so God, man, he's been calling me all this time, but I'm just too comfortable with my life to even, like, consider his voice. I'm too comfortable to to even think about what he's going to ask me to do. And so, you know, God is asking me, I, I was telling Bobby about an interaction, a very aggressive interaction that we had with our neighbors at our apartment and, and my first reaction is like, let's get out of there. Like, let's get out of this apartment. Like, let's go somewhere where we are more comfortable because we're not going to have to deal with this. And later that same day, like, the conviction of God telling me, like, no, you need to go to him. Like, you need to talk with him. I still haven't done it because I'm very scared. <laughs> But, thank you, yes, yes I am. Um, But God is calling each one of us to respond in different ways and at different levels. But the question is, one, are we too comfortable to even hear his voice? And two, how are we gonna respond if we do hear his voice? Are we gonna be apathetic? Are we going to even just flat out say no? Or are we going to lean in? When Jesus says, because to Nicodemus, this is a hard truth. Nicodemus even says this. He says, to be born again, right? That's a hard truth to, to accept. That, that, that my life, with all its rule following, with all its like, achievements and stuff like that, is still not enough to the kingdom of God. But God's voice and and call to each one of us is to be born again. So how are you going to respond to that call? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for all that you've done in and through Jesus Christ. Thank you that, that you have given us new life in you and in who you are and God, we just come to you honestly and say that, that we have lived comfortable lives and I've lived a comfortable life and the places where you've called me, I, I don't go because it would make me uncomfortable and it's a hard truth to swallow. But God, I ask for wherever people are at today, whether they're ready to, to just serve more maybe, or maybe they're ready to actually go get baptized. 
whatever the, the step is, whatever the response is to this message that you want eternal life for each one of us, that your heart to us is good and is for your glory, God, how do we respond to that? We ask that you would, would take us out of our comfortability, that you would speak on our hearts, and that you'd move over this space, over this congregation, to go out and proclaim your message to the whole world. First to North Carolina, first to Nightdale, then to Raleigh and Durham, Greensboro, and the rest of the world. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. Uh, the band's going to sing a song. Oh, and you know, usually like we have time of like invitation and it's sometimes awkward because like you don't want to be the only one standing up here, right? Like everybody's going to stare at you and it's going to be nervous. Um, but maybe God is simply just calling you to, to be prayed over. Like Bobby's going to be over here and, and I'm sure he would love to pray for you. And I'm sure there are people around here who would love to pray for you and with you. And maybe that's the next step is just to, to be a little more vulnerable. Maybe you do need to talk to somebody about baptism or maybe you do need to talk to somebody about serving. I think whatever it is, truly, it's not the, the serving that's gonna get you life. It's not, it's not that next step that's gonna get you life, but, but that next step is gonna put you in a place where you are able to receive more of God, and that is God's heart for you, that you would receive eternal life. So whatever you feel the Spirit leading you to do, please do it now. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.